this is what I want you to do. I want you quickly to find your seats. I'm not going to take long this morning. But I, I, I need to give you this word. And you need this word. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to try to accomplish in just a few minutes this morning what I believe that the, that the Lord would have me to say to you because I believe it does two things. Number one, it sums up everything that I've preached to you at Fire and Ice over the last eight years. Greg and I were talking, I think this is my eighth year of Fire and Ice. And basically, as, I, as the Lord began to rumble this over in my spirit, I realized that basically what he was doing was he was summarizing everything we've talked about in eight years. Now, you may not have been here eight years, and you may not remember what we talked about. That's all right. We're going to summarize it right here. But it does more than that. I think what it really does is it takes this weekend. This has been a different weekend. I've been, again, I've been to Fire and Ice, I guess, uh, ten years in a row, nine or ten years in a row. This has been a different kind of weekend. I, I think God's done something here. Not that he, now, now listen, not that I'm discounting what he's done in the past. He's done some powerful things. But something shifted this weekend. I can sense it in your worship. I can sense it in your, your passion. And so I'm excited about that. So it summarizes everything that's happened this weekend. Because, see, my concern for you is this. I youth pastored for eight and a half years. And I watched my young people come to events like Youth Quest or Fire and Ice or camps. And they would experience God as you have experienced God. And I don't have to tell you what happens because you know what happens. About three weeks later... They were all over the place, man. They were still dealing with the same temptations, same issues, same habits, same addictions that they had before, and I never could figure out why. And what I've come to realize, what the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, I guess it was either yesterday or the day before, as, as I began thinking about this morning, is that basically what happens is we get caught up in a circle of cycle, a cycle of circling where we just circle the same things and, and, and then we get out of it for a second and then we go right back to it because that's what we're accustomed to. So the Holy Spirit began to take me to some verses of Scripture that I want to read to you and I think what I can do is show you out of, out of history because history always repeats itself, right? And, and this word is, is instruction for us and basically what happened to the children of Israel happens to us and they find themselves circling. And then they finally get out of it. And I want to show you how. Because see, it's not enough for us to tell you that you were, you were destined for freedom. And that God wants you to have freedom. If we can't tell you how to not only gain it for one weekend, but live in it for the rest of your life. In fact, we do you a disservice. If we stand up here and say, you're born for freedom, you're destined for freedom, you're purposed for freedom, which you are. And we can't equip you to actually get out of this place and obtain that freedom and not only obtain but maintain because how many of you know it's easier to obtain than it is to maintain? Go buy yourself a car and figure it out. It is easier to go get a car than it is to upkeep a car. Go get your girlfriend and figure out it is easier to obtain than it is to maintain. And, and, and it's been real easy for some of you to come in here this weekend and obtain freedom but my my question or my desire and my prayer is that you just have an obtained freedom that when you leave this place you will be able to maintain 
freedom. In fact, let me just say it like this. If you can't maintain what you obtained this weekend, you wasted your time and it wasn't really anything real. Well, I could just say amen right now and let you go home, except for the fact that a lot of you don't know how to maintain. So let me help you. In Exodus chapter 6, the word of the Lord comes to Moses, beginning of verse 2, and he basically tells Moses that the children of Israel are to be free. Now, I was going to read all of this to you, but I'm not going to. Switch over to verse 9, because I want you to catch this. Basically, you'll just have to trust me. You can go home and read it when you are on the, on the van ride home. That the Lord speaks to Moses and he says, Go stand before the people of Israel and tell them, since they are in Egyptian bondage, that I have purposed them and planned for them to be free. They were never born to be in bondage, so therefore I will set them free. Right? You know the story. But then it comes down to verse 9, and this just hit me as the, the Holy Spirit led me to this portion of Scripture. It says, So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and their cruel bondage. And what I realized this morning is that it doesn't, you know, I can stand up here all day until I'm blue in the face and tell you that you are born to be free, but a lot of you, like the sons of Israel, will not believe me because you are so discouraged and because you have been in such deep bondage that you don't think that there's any way out. There can be young people standing on the stage like they were last night telling you that they've been set free from cutting themselves and set free from suicide and depression. But you can sit in the same room with them, watching them exhibit their freedom and, and sitting there and going, I can't be free because I'm so bound. And you won't believe it. And so what I need to tell you first and what I feel like the Holy Spirit has told me to tell you this morning first is this. The Egyptians were not in bondage, excuse me, the Israelites were not in bondage because of the Egyptians. Oh, well, you've got that wrong, Steve. We just read that the Egyptians, I understand that the, the Egyptians were their taskmasters, and I understand that the Israelites were the slaves to the Egyptians, but you need to understand that the Israelites were not in bondage because of the Egyptians. And you know how I can prove that? Because when God sets them free from the Egyptians, they go out of the wilderness and they begin to circle for 40 years. You know why? They were slaves in their mind. They stayed in bondage not because people were taskmasters over them. They stayed, stayed in bondage because they didn't change their mentality and their thinking. And if you come here and you experience the presence of God and you experience the, the move of the Holy Spirit and you come down here and you dance and you shout but you don't change the way you think, you will go home and you will start the circle of cycle, the cycle of circling all over again. So you've got to change the way you think. So, so what I've been praying is that God would change your mind. Change your mind about yourself. Change your mind about your issues. Change your mind about your, your situations. Change your mind about your environment. You need to understand something this morning, young people. God doesn't change us by changing our environment. That's geography. God changes us by changing our revelation about our environment. Our perspective has to change. That is good stuff right there. I hope somebody just wrote that down because that will help you walk in freedom. You need to understand that when you get home, everything's not going to be all right. 
We, we would lie to you to stand up here and say, just because you had some Holy Ghost goosebumps on a fire and ice weekend, that as soon as you get home, your mom's going to be nicer to you, your dad's going to love you more than he already does, your, your brother that has been bugging you to death is going to leave you alone, the peers that have been putting pressure on you to do things wrong, they're suddenly going to realize, I can't put... No, they're going to be this... Your environment is probably, most likely, going to be exactly the same it was before you got here. What has to change for you to up, to maintain the freedom that you've obtained is you have to change your perspective and your revelation about your environment and understand that my environment does not control me. I set the atmosphere from my environment. How I react to my environment determines the reception and what takes place in my environment. So I, I just want to bust, bust your bubble this morning. It's not going to be all flowers and, 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 and cake when you get home. It's just not. Some of you got some battles you're going to face. And some of you are going to continue to face them. But if your perception will change, that God is with me, and I can win this thing. So, so why, why do we circle? We, before I can tell you how to get out of the circle, I need to tell you why we circle. Because Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he tells us why the children of Israel were constantly circling. Now, if Paul had been alive today, he would have written the same exact thing because what he does for us by, the, by listing the five things that caused the children of Israel to be caught in this cycle of circling it is the same exact five things that causes you to circle. Can I, can I, I don't have time to read them, read the whole chapter two, but so can I just summarize them for you? He first says they circled because they lusted after evil things. And, and I don't need to spend much time here other than just to tell you that, that a, the reason that many of you will leave this place and if you are not careful, you will get right back into circling the same habits and addictions is because many of you lust after evil things. Your passions force you to chase. You, you give in to those passions and you find yourself chasing evil things. You lust after them. Then the second reason that, that they circled, Paul said, is they had idols. What is an idol? I don't have this little statue set up in my bedroom, Pastor Steve, that I bow down and worship to. No, an idol is anything that you put in the place of God. That, that's why it just amazes me when we come to events like this and we have an encounter in God and a preacher can stand on the stage and say, you need to get rid of a girlfriend or you need to get rid of a boyfriend or you need to get rid of your music or you need to quit watching the movies you're watching and you guys will, I can feel it, man. You just go, no way. You know why? That's become your God. Anything that separates you from God that you put between you and God is an idol. You're worshiping those things. If you're not worshiping them, they wouldn't be so hard to give up. They've, in, they've, they've taken a place in our life of God. And, and so... They, they had idols. Many of you have idols. Your reaction to instructions to get rid of those things prove that they're idols. And so you circle. The third reason he said that they circled was that they were involved in sexual immorality. And, and again, I don't have to go there. You know what you're involved in. You know the epidemic of se sexual perversion that is sweeping this generation. The, the, uh, 
the hiddenness of internet pornography has given you a, a safe place that you, in the privacy of your bedroom without ever being worried about being caught. You can view things that your mom and dad never even thought about viewing. You can go, you can get into movies right now that your mom and dad would have had to, to, to I don't know, sneak in the back door or, man, they'll just open up the doors and let you walk right in. Sexual perversion, and we're involved in that, and it causes circling. The fourth thing you said is they tested or they tempted God. Can I tell you how we, this generation tempts God? They come to events like this, they encounter Him, and then they won't obey Him. That is tempting God. Because, because God says in His Word that we're not promised tomorrow, but we'll come into a place like this and worship Him. Here God instruct us to get rid of things out of our lives, to, to walk a different path, and, and we will play church in here, and then we'll go home and we'll go right back to it, tempting Him, to say, saying to Him, you know what, I really don't believe you that, that I, I don't have tomorrow. Testing God, tempting God. The fifth thing that they did is they murmured and they complained. They were a bunch of stinking whiners. And, oh, my youth pastors are egging me on here. You know where I'm headed there. I, I, I don't need This generation whines more than any other generation that I've ever heard. Y'all a bunch of whiny babies is what you are. I love you, but that's what you are. Because if everything ain't just the way you want it, you go ballistic. Man, man if, if I don't get to sit in the seat I want to sit in in church, and if I don't get to sit in the seat I want in the van, if I don't get to room with who I want to room with at Fire Nights, I ain't going to Fire Nights, you know. Get, uh, I ain't going to that camp and sleep. Huh? You bunch of whiners. Man, I would have just been glad to get to come to something like this, man. Stick me in a trailer. I don't care. Just get me there. But no, you got to have the air-conditioned bus. Or I ain't going. You whiners. Quit murmuring and complaining. As soon as you go home and start complaining about things, it will produce in you the cycle of circling. You know, instead of complaining about your youth ministry and about your youth pastor, what you ought to do is thank God for it. They may not have all the bells and the whistles and the lights and the smoke and the video cameras and the nice band and all that stuff, but you just ought to be thankful that somebody loves you enough to give you a room in the back of the church with some beat-up old couches and beanbags to sit in that they made a place for you. You ought to be thankful. You ought to go home and hug your mom and dad real big and say, thank you for spending the money to send me to fire and ice. You didn't have to do it. It took groceries off the table. You had to work extra long hours. You don't know where the next car payment's coming from, but you sent me anyway. I am thankful for what you did for me. I'm not going to go home and complain that we didn't get to stop at my little favorite restaurant on the way home, and I didn't get to ski as much as I wanted to, and I didn't get to go ride the go-karts like I asked them to, and I didn't get to go to the little Chinese bazaar and buy the little gun I wanted to buy. Quit your stinking whining. It will produce in you a circling. So Paul says, that's why they circled. That's why you circle right there. I just told you. I just summed it up in five things. The reason that most of you, if you don't correct it, will go home and be caught up in a circle of cycling for the rest of your life. Quit that five, quit those five things and you can walk a straight line. Now, let me tell you how they got out and then I'm going to be done. I need to read this to you because... It sets the stage. I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. And I'm going to try to cut some of this because I want, I want you to hear me this morning. But I, I need you to see this. In Joshua chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, I want you to catch what's happening. 
I'm going to read it. Forget it. I'm going to read it. It says, at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levites priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. They're camped out on the other side of the Jordan. They're not in the promised land yet. Joshua's giving them these instructions, and he says, However, there shall be a space between you and it, a distance about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then he goes on in chapter, verse 11 and 14, I'm not going to read these to you. They actually crossed the Jordan into the promised land. This generation of people that have circled for 40 years, Joshua stands up and says, we're going to send the Ark of the Covenant out in front of you so that you'll go away that you've never been before, and they cross over into the Jordan. But I want you to notice what happens. Turn to Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. And I'm going to read this to you from verse 2 to verse 15. It says, at that time the Lord said to Joshua, make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. Now when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. Now look down in verse 14. This is Joshua. He's looking at Jericho. He's getting ready to go into battle. And he says this, uh, a, a man appears to him with a sword drawn in his hands. And Joshua comes up to him and he says, are you for us or are you against us? And the man replies, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? Now, why are those portions of scripture important? In those portions of scripture, there are four steps to breaking the cycle of circling. Are you ready? Write these down. If you will do these four things when you go home, you will walk in freedom for the rest of your life. Are you ready? Number one, you have to be willing to do something new. The word comes to Joshua and he says, we're going to put the Ark of the Covenant out in front of you and you're going to go away that you've never gone before. Can I tell you that if you go home and do what you've always done, you will get what you've always gotten? If you go home and continue to repeat the cycles that you were already involved in before you got here, you will go right back into bondage, right back into slavery, right back into chains because you have to do something new in order to get something new. 
You have to be willing to follow God and do something and do some things that you've never done before. You have to take steps that you've never taken before. That's why if you come to this place and you hear us tell you some of the things that you need to do, what you consider radical things like getting rid of your CDs, getting rid of certain certain boyfriends or girlfriends, getting rid of certain friends. If you go home and refuse to do those things, you will go back into bondage because God is wanting you to go a different way, a new way. You've got to do something that you've never done before. You have to do whatever is necessary to get out of the circle. If they, if they had crossed the Jordan and just started marching in a circle, how many of you know they would have never really enjoyed the promised land? They would have still been in bondage to the circle. They had to go a different route. They had to march differently than the march. And what I am saying to you is that if you want to be free, you've got to do something different. You've got to change the way you behave. You've got to change where you go. You've got to change who you hang out with. You've got to change what you watch. You've got to change what you listen to. You've got to take some steps that are different. Do something you've never done. As we were worshiping last night, and, and I could sense it, man, I, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen as soon as the, the group came out on stage and began to worship. I could feel the, the, the fear rise up in some of you. It was a stretching night. But, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and asked me a question that I want to ask you. What has your safe, comfortable, predictable worship done for you lately? Oh, I'm not comfortable with the way they worshiped. Then you won't get what they got. See, see, I have a problem. All right? I, I just got a problem. I'm, gonna, I'm honest. I'm my last shot here. I'll be honest with you. I got a problem. When youth pastors get angry when they see 30 young people who've been set free from suicide and cutting and bondage. There were hermits that didn't love life, didn't love anybody, worshiping God like fanatics. And we go, that's just out of order. Listen, you got young people in your, in your youth ministry right now that can't get out of the bed without having an emotional breakdown. And you bring them to your punky little youth service on Wednesday night and do your punky little praise and worship. And then wonder why they can't get out of bed without breaking down emotionally. Am I saying that you need to get up and headbang every Wednesday night? Absolutely not. What I am saying is that you've got to find worship that will break somebody free. If what you're doing isn't accomplishing that, do something else. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, that's fine. If I did what they did, I'd have to go to the chiropractor. But I'll tell you this, I'm tired of arguing about methods when we won't pay attention to the fruit. I just told a group of my friends that are meeting with me right now that, that I, I, in, in Mark chapter 3, I believe it is, Jesus shows up and heals folks and the religious folks get mad. They're out there because he did it on a Sunday. Give me a break. Quit arguing with me about methods. Look at the, the fruit as long as it's biblical. There was nothing unbiblical that took place last night. If you don't like what they did, you wouldn't have liked David. If you worship like Michael, you get what Michael got. She got barrenness. If you worship like David, who stripped down basically naked and worship the Lord, then you will get what David got. I'm looking for some young people that will say, you know what, I've been caught in a circle for too long, and I will be more vile and do things I've never done before, even if it makes my youth pastor, my pastor, my deacon, my mom and dad uncomfortable, I will do what God says to do if he tells me to do it. 
Don't send me any more letters. Don't send me any more emails. Don't you write the fire and ice committee and say, I can't stand that. Well, baby, go home and be in bondage if you want to. Or you can let God stretch your boundaries a little bit and understand that God is bigger than what you're accustomed to. Since when does the church get to put limits on God? Since when do we get to determine what God can do? If we get to determine what God can do, He's not God, we are. And I got news for you, I'm not God. And you're not God. And there are a lot of things that happen in the kingdom of God I don't understand and don't necessarily make me comfortable. But I have come to the place that I am so desperate for a move of God that will change something because we've been the same for too long. We've been doing the youth ministry the same way, singing the same songs, wondering why we aren't impacting a generation and we're losing them at the rate we're losing them at. Look, they've got hundreds of young people selling out their whole lives. So maybe what they're doing is working. Well, I didn't mean to go there, but I went there. We got to do something new. Do something new. The second thing that happened was this. Joshua realized a principle that you need to understand. Young people, I was preaching to the youth pastors. Let me get back to the young people. For, in order for you to go home and walk in freedom, you need to understand the principle that Joshua understood. You've got to get this picture in your mind. They were already in the promised land, right? They'd crossed the Jordan. They're where God has ordained them to be, right? Joshua understood this principle. God didn't just call them to visit freedom, they were to possess freedom. See, a lot of you come to Fire and Ice every year and you visit freedom. You just don't possess freedom. And you know why? This is why. He realized that you cannot possess the promise without purity. So, he purifies them there. What I am saying to you, the principle that you need to understand, young people, is you can come and dance like they dance and shout like they shout and jig and buck and do all that. But if you go home and you don't deal with the issues of your life and bring purity to your life and watch what you watch and watch where you go and watch what you listen to, if you don't deal with that, the lack of purity means you will have lack of power to possess. And you will spend the rest of your life going from one mountain to the next, experiencing high mountains without being able to walk between them it is purity it, listen it's not your shout that keeps you in the promised land it's not a dance that keeps you in the promised land it's not a praise and worship song that keeps you in the promised land what gives you the ability to stay in the promised land is purity you know holiness is not just part of our name it's supposed to be a part of who we are when you get it off our shirts and get it into our heart, go home and clean out your bedroom. When you get home tonight, don't you dare unpack without cleaning out your bedroom first. Because if you don't, if you don't purify your life, you will continue to circle and circle. And then you'll go to camp and you'll get a little touch from God and get your little jig on, get your little dance on, feel real good. And you'll go home and without purity, you'll flip on the tube, you'll watch the stuff you've always watched, and you'll go right back into circling again. Purity. The second thing that happens, and I'm trying to hurry because I want us to get to this. The second thing that happens is that Joshua, 
This is powerful. In the portion of scripture that I read to you, Joshua, get, Joshua gives them instructions that after you are purified, the Bible says that they stayed in their place until they were healed. The principle is this. God wants to put some of you in your place. He's got a place designed for you that will produce healing in your life if you will stay there. See, a lot of you won't stay there. God, God constructs a whole youth ministry in your church so that you can go and enjoy it and it will produce healing in your life, but you won't stay there. Touch your neighbor say, stay in your place. We come and experience God and He purifies our heart and we walk out of here. We want to win the whole world, but we're still broken on the inside, still have issues of our life. And you want to go out and, and preach and sing and dance and all that stuff. Listen, you need to get somewhere and allow the Holy Spirit to heal you completely. Because until you are whole, it's not all just about holiness. You need to be holy, but you also need to have wholeness. Once you're whole, then you can go out and impact your generation. You need to wait and stay in your place. Am I saying that you're never going to do anything for God? No, I am saying that you find your place. For some of you, it's the youth ministry you're already in. For some of you, you need to go home and really pray about what youth ministry you're, you're, you're presently in because they're not producing wholeness in you. You need to find your place and allow God to make you whole so that you can walk correctly. And then the last thing I wanted to tell you this morning is this. Not only, here are the four steps, you do something new, you've got to. You've got to break the cycle. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to purify everything around you. Everything. No, no sacred cows, no idols, nothing off limits. God, purify my life. I will get rid of anything. Anything. That's what it takes. I will allow you to heal me. God, make me whole. Put me in, in relationship with folks that will, allow, that will pour into me and, and minister into me so that when I, when I go through this process after giving everything up and I'm hurt, God, and I've gone through so many bad things, God, bring wholeness in my life. Are you ready for number four? Number four. You've got to get his word. Because I, I read in Joshua... That after they go through the purification process and after they wait until they're whole, Joshua goes out and he sees a man standing there and he asks him, are you for us or against us? And that man says, I'm neither. I'm, I'm the Lord of hosts. And, he, and Joshua immediately falls on his face and he asks this question. What is the word to your servant? Young people, I am telling you right now, if you don't go home, and get into this book. We can have fire and ice now till Jesus comes. And you'll come in here and swing from the rafters every year. And you will go right back home. And you will circle every year. I can tell you, you can go visit Hamilton, Alabama and take part in the ramp every night they have it. And unless you get into the word for yourself, you will circle and circle and circle. It is not enough for your youth pastor or your pastor or your mom and dad to read this thing and get this thing into their spirit. You have got to take responsibility for your own walk. And without this word, you are going to circle the mountain over and over again. Why? Because the word is a lamp unto my feet. I don't know where to walk or how to walk without his word. Why? Because we live off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't know how to conduct my walk. I don't know what steps to take unless I read his word. I don't know how to live my life. Why? Because it sustains me. Because it breathes life into me. It gives me direction. And as soon as I read his word, man, it puts me on a straight path. 
The reason so many of you struggle and fall and go right back into sin as soon as you leave here is because you haven't gotten His Word. You need to go home and get on your face before God and say, What is your Word unto your servant, O God? Give me your Word. You can't live off of the little card you pull out of the little bread loaf off of your mama's counter. You've got to dig something up for yourself. Man, I can tell you right now, if, we, if, I, if I gathered about 15 of you up, took you to a restaurant, and ordered myself the biggest steak on the menu, and ate it up, and this is gross, and I understand it, but listen to me. If I ate it all, I just started chewing it, and I spit it out and said, eat that, you would decline. I hope. I'm not sure about your generation after watching Fear, what it, fear Factor. You just about eat anything. But most of you would say, absolutely not. But that's exactly what you want to do when you go to church. That's exactly how you want to live your, your walk and your life every day. You're waiting for the youth pastor to get in his office and chew up a big steak and come out on a Wednesday night and spit it out to you so that it will sustain you. I got news for you. There is steak in here for you. It's got your name on it. So if you want to quit cycling in a circle... If you want to quit marching around and falling into the same temptations and dealing with the same issues, can I help you this morning? Do something new. Make whatever radical decision you need to make. Ruthlessly deal with every issue of your life. I wish one of you, just one of you would go home and walk to your bedroom and throw the door open and say, God, point everything out that I need to get rid of. And after you get done in your bedroom, I, I just wish you'd go on over to your, to your car and open up the doors and say, anything in here, God, that's not like you, help me to spot it right now. I want to get rid of it. Then I wish you'd take your cell phone out and go, is this person somebody I need to hang out with, God? Because if it's not, I'm going to delete their number right now. Then I wish you'd get on your computer and go to your favorites. And I wish you'd just clean out some stuff. And I wish you'd go to MySpace and get rid of some friends. Do something new. Then I wish you'd get somewhere and allow God to purify you. I wish you'd get in your place. I wish you'd find your place. God's got a place for every one of you. He is designing a place for you. A place, a safe place that you can cry. And that you can expose the issues of your life and they'll come alongside you and love on you and heal you so that you can walk out whole. You can't just do that once a year at fire and ice. And then I wish somebody would fall in love with his word again. To where they can't, they can't deal with letting somebody else get the word for them. No, i got to get alone and i got to open this thing up and say, God, there's life in here. Feed me. Help me to walk in a straight path. And then it's time to take possession. I just helped you more than you know. I wish somebody would have told you what I just told you when I was your age. Because I was a roller coaster. You could have... You you could have sold tickets on my ride, man. I was up and down, in and out. If I'd have just known I had to purify my life, I figured it out in 1984 at a youth camp, finally. I've been going to youth camps from the time I was five years old. I was 14 in 1984. And I finally figured it out. 
I went home and I did some radical things. I threw away all my records. That's how old I am. I cut some relationships off. And I can vividly remember me and a friend of mine by the name of Les Jones. He was working on a farm. We'd get in that tractor. I had a great youth group. They loved me. I healed in that place, man. They loved on me. I am who I am today because of Apache First Pentecostal on the church. What they did in my life. And I remember getting in the tractor with Les Jones. And I was taking flashcards. We got three by five little flashcards and wrote handwritten scripture. Memorizing it. He was driving. I'd sit up in the windshield and I'd say, okay, quote Ephesians, whatever. And he'd quote it. And I'd, he'd do the same thing. I got his word into my spirit. You know what happened? This kid that was constantly circling, constantly circling, low self-esteem, pride. I had it all, man. I was jacked up. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke, but I still messed up. Don't look at me funny. Some of you that way too. I'd circle and circle and I'd experience God at a camp and straighten up for three weeks and then I'd go right back into my circle. And all of a sudden, 1984, God purified me so I did something new and I started straightening up. I went to my youth group and they loved on me and let me sit on the front row with them and talk about God and I straightened up. And then I got His Word in my life and all of a sudden, since 1984, I don't have any of the problems I used to have. I don't have self-esteem issues. I love who I am. I wished I was taller. I wished I had more hair. I used to have it. But I suddenly realized none of that really matters because I know who I am in God. And so now I can walk every day straight. I'm driving the cameraman crazy about right now. I can walk straight. I don't have to go up and down. Yes, there are good days and there are bad days. But you know what? They're all days. I'm possessing new lands every day. Why? Because I straightened my walk out. Let me help you this morning. Stop circling. I'm done. Stand to your feet. You have a choice to make. You can leave this place and go right back into a circle if you want to. But let me challenge you. Do something new. Do something new. Worship different than you've worshipped. Find new friends. Find new music. Find new forms of entertainment. Find new places to go. Do something new. Find a different way to talk. A different way to think. Let Him purify you. Let Him heal you. Get into His Word. And you can walk out of here and never circle the mountain again. You know what will happen? You'll come back next year at Fire and Ice. And you won't have to start all over. Wouldn't that be cool? Your life will change from this day forward. this day forward hear my heart this morning won't get another shot like this for a while hear my heart this morning I don't want to watch you walk in circles anymore I know you may be despondent and I, may, and I know you may have cruel bondage in your life 
but don't be like the sons of Israel and not be able to believe. Let me tell you this morning, hear me, hear my heart. You were created for freedom. You are destined to take the promised land. That's, that's God's word to you. You just can't get there if you keep circling. I don't want to see another one of you circle ever again. I know your youth pastors don't. We're going to end really strange on my part this morning. I gave you some funny instructions yesterday that you're really going to think these are funny. This is going to be hard in here, but we're going to do it. Just say again, I so appreciate the guys that put this on. I appreciate Emmanuel and the job that they've done. Man, I'm thankful for Karen Wheaton and the, the fact that they stretched my mind. Let me tell you something. Youth pastors, hear me. Hear me. I'm so thankful for you. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you straight up. You're the best. You guys are absolute, ladies are absolutely the best. Let me just encourage you, youth worker. You may not think you're getting through, but you are. Hang on. Don't give up. My youth pastors thought I was crazy. I think they really do. I got an email from, from my youth pastor, my original youth pastor. He's the pastor of the church now, Bud, Bud and Sherry Jones. I've talked to you about them before. I got an email yesterday from Sherry saying, we're so proud of you. You know what? I'm proud of them. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. Youth pastors, don't give up. You've got a mighty man and woman of God in your midst. You don't even know it. Keep pouring into them. God will change them. Somebody's got to hold on for them because others are giving up. Hold on for them. I love you guys. No more circling. This is how we're going to end, and then I'll turn it over, and then you, can, you won't be able to do this until... I don't know what I was going to I guess somebody's coming up here. I don't know. You won't be able to do this until as you leave. I'm going to pray over here in a second. But what I want you to do when you get ready to leave, this is strange. You guys are going to have to work this out yourself. Man, this is crazy. I want you to get your youth group together and find you a big open space. You may not even be able to do it in this room. But before, do it around your van. That would be really cool. I just want you to begin. Youth pastor, I just want you to lead your young people around in a circle. They'll think you're doing the Chinese fire drill on every van. I want you just to start, make them go around until they get, until they start whining and complaining and then remind them that's why they're circling. You bunch of whining. I'm serious now. Hey, if you really get adventurous, make them, make them go around your hotel. I'm playing, I'm playing. Go to, go to a restaurant. Do it at a restaurant, man. Just make them march around. Man, that's the meanest youth pastor I ever saw in the world. You're making the young people out in the cold. Circle the restaurant. What's his? No, listen. Get them somewhere. Good six or seven times. Go around that thing. Then on the given time, whatever it is, maybe you want to do it like they did at Jericho where they circle. Isn't it neat that God made them circle Jericho? I never thought of that until just now. He made them circle what they were going to defeat after they've been circling. That's good right there. I have to, remind me that when we get back there so I can write that down. 
Make them circle seven times without saying nothing. That'll be a challenge for some of you right there. Make them circle. When you get to the seventh time, all together, I want you to shout as loud as you can shout. We refuse to circle anymore. Then, take them off in a straight line. We had a good mile, mile and a half, get a good workout in so they'll sleep on the way home. Just start marching them in a straight line as a reminder that they're not called to circle. They are called to conquer. Father, I thank you because you love us. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for people that pour into our lives that give us the ability to understand that you've called us to be free. Father, if there's any young man or woman in this place that is so despondent and so much in despair, discouragement, that is so consumed by their own bondage, Father, I pray that they would have hope this morning. You'd speak into their life that they can be free. They would believe it. God, I pray for every youth ministry, every young person that goes to these youth ministries. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, they would refuse to circle anymore. God, I pray that they would go home and do something new. I pray that they take every radical step necessary. I pray you'd purify their lives. I pray they'd cut off everything and everyone that pulls them away from you. Heal them, oh God. Find them in their broken condition. Find them a place where they can be loved and healed. Father, I pray that you would cause a hunger to rise up in this generation for your word. They would be more hungry for your word than anything else in their life. And they would pursue you. In Jesus' name. I just got one last thing to say to you. I refuse to circle.